such thing as ghosts. I'm saying I've never seen one. Nothing would make me happier than to experience a paranormal event. Gerald Olin, manager of the Dolphin. I can just get the key to 1408. In the 95 years of the hotel's existence, there have been 56 deaths in 1408. 56. The ones ever lasted more than an hour. The first victims to Kevin O'Malley. Cut his own throat. Do not stay in that room. This is it. Hotel rooms are a naturally creepy place. It does have the vagueur of menace. what is up everyone we are so happy and to be back and to be reviewing 1408 one of my favorite horror movies slash thriller movies finally yes this month january has been dedicated to haunted hotels and on our last episode we did stanley kubrick's the shining it's amazing it's an amazing yes. movie and this was probably probably the best follow-up movie we could have done in, in terms of haunted uh, hotels right i mean this is one that when we first brought it up, we both were like, yes, we have to do this. Because, I mean, it's nobody really ever talks about this film. It's really low-key, and it's got some, it's got two, like, well, I, I, you can't really call Samuel L. Jackson an underrated actor because he's in a whole lot of movies. Right. John Cusick is, like, an amazing actor. Yes. And, it, like, this just not, I mean, even in uh, The Raven, the Edgar Allan Poe movie where he played Edgar Allan Poe, it was a really good job. He's a really good actor, and I don't think he gets the credit that he should Right. It's like everybody always remembers him from like the 80s. Yeah. And the which the trailer that you just heard made me when we when this first came out in 2007, we were like me and my wife both were like, "Okay, we got to see this film cuz you know, I like haunted stuff." But I didn't expect to go into theater and be walking out and all I could talk about was his performance. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Well, and I didn't realize cuz I've seen this movie dozens of times and I never realized that the the way he goes about it, it's that scared horror. But he also, as I mentioned during the movie, is like he has some amazing one liners in this movie. Yeah, I, yeah, that really. And, and I never really, I re never really put you know put that with it that there was actually there's actually some comedic effect to this movie. Right. And I never really gave enough stock into. Right. Yeah. I mean it. Like I said, I, I knew like his flip outs and stuff. Yeah. That's what I took away when we first went and seen it in theaters, and I was just like, dude. 
he was so convincing. But yeah, the one-liners, I, I guess because I haven't seen this film in so long, I actually forgot about them. Yeah. You know, just like, and I know we're getting into it a little bit, but just like when he never take candy from strangers, when yeah. he sees the chocolates, you know, I forgot yeah. all about that line. Yeah. But uh, before we get into the movie, like always, we are so thankful that you guys are checking us out. Uh, you already know what we're available on. Pretty much anywhere you can get your podcasts. Anchor, uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Breaker. Uh, I think it one's Overcast, I believe. Uh, it's just we're growing and we're getting more followers on Instagram now. And just remember to give us a like on Facebook and Instagram at uh, Small Town Horror Podcast. And like we keep saying from day one... The more people we get to hear and to follow us, then we're going to start taking requests. Like, if you guys got something that we've never heard of, we would love to watch a film. Like, even if it's an indie film or something. We yeah. can, you know, because there's a lot of them out there that I know me and Randy ourselves have not seen. Well, there was a... I mean, we were trying to think of movies that aren't the norm, and we were talking about Cannibal Corpse. Right. And that we thought that might be a good one to do, uh, if we can find it. Uh, I'm sure we can find it somewhere. Cannibal Corpse? Yeah. Or cannibal Holocaust? Holocaust. That's what it is. That, okay. Holocaust. I, I, I got that in my horror pack. Oh, okay. I've never watched it. And Randy, you have, right? I've watched... I've, I've probably seen maybe half of it. I haven't watched the whole thing. And I, I'm telling you, dude, it is just a little bit that I've seen is freaky. That's what I'm saying. So, and it's always been like, okay... Like, I haven't got the nerve. It's still in the plastic. Like, I yeah. haven't even opened it to put it in my It's Blu-ray a trick. I mean, there's a reason it's been banned in a couple of countries. Right. Well, yeah. you know, I, I, and I hear that because, like, um, I Spit on Your Grave mm-hmm. got banned. Text Chainsaw Massacre got banned in a couple. So that's why I'm kind of like, yeah. But then when I watched those, I was like, eh, it ain't that bad. But everything I've ever seen from, uh, what is it, Cannibal Holocaust? Yeah. I'm like... Ooh, well, that's like when I was growing up, the big thing about the movie that was banned was Faces of Death. Yep. So yep, when I yep. was growing up, that's what, when when I heard of something being banned, that's what I heard of. And then I heard about this Cannibal Holocaust and I looked it up, but you know. I remember the Faces of Death, man. Uh, and this back in VHS is, you know, mm-hmm. that's when we had it. I would go rent those at like Good Time Video mm-hmm. Movie Gallery. And it, my mom just, my mom and dad always just thought it was just a horror movie. Yeah. And now I'm like, now that I'm grown up, I'm like, dude, we sit there and watch like little monkeys get their heads smashed. And I'm like, what is wrong with us? Would you let your kids watch those today? No. <laughs> nah, not even close. <laughs> not even a little bit. No, because I can watch these horror movies with my kids and be like, you know, that's fake blood. That's just latex. Yeah, yeah. What do you do when they were like, you know, they, I remember it was showing people jumping off mm-hmm. out of windows and stuff. And yep, it was a trip. But anyway, like I said, just uh, continue to uh, tell your friends and family about us and Hopefully, like I said, the podcast will continue to grow, and we're having a blast doing it. So for sure, we're gonna go ahead and get into the uh, the the movie. But before we do, we're gonna go ahead and start off with this was a 2007 uh, horror thriller. Which I, me and Randy was talking. I said, yeah, it's a horror thriller, but also had a lot of drama. Oh yeah, it's a whole lot of drama. So 1408 came out in 2007, and it was based on. A short story, a 1999 short story written by Stephen King called 1408. Yep. And it was directed by Michael uh, Hofstrom. 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 And the cast was starring John Cusack as Mike Enslin, Samuel L. Jackson as Gerald Olin, Mary McCormick as Lily Enslin, 
and Jasmine Jessica Anthony as Katie Inslin. <clears throat> so, the basic premise of the movie is Mike Inslin, who is John Cusack, is a successful author who enjoys worldwide acclaim debunking a supernatural phenomenon. Before he checks into the Dolphin Hotel, ignoring the warnings of the hotel manager, who's played by Samuel L. Jackson, he learns the meaning of real terror when he spends the night in the reputable haunted room. <laughs> <laughs> so, we're going to go ahead and dive into the movie here. Uh, 1408 opens up with, uh, I, I'm going to call him by his real name, I do that all the time, John Cusack's character, uh, Mike Insulin, he's driving in the rain, it's a storm going on, and uh, he pulls into the Weeping Beach Inn, mm -hmm. and he's going, and that's what I was going to also mention too, uh, on the radio it sounds like he's listening to preaching. Did you catch that? I didn't. I couldn't really. I wasn't really paying attention to the to the radio because I was watching it. Because me and you were talking about, you had said something about did he go to the wrong place or something. I was like, no, he just passed the sign or whatever. I didn't even register what was going on on the radio. Yeah, I believe he was listening to preaching. But uh, anyway, he gets into the Weeping Beach Inn, and to me, this is already uh, demonstrating how his character Mike is like a loner. I guess you could say. He wants to be left alone, yeah. and he gets in there, and the I'm I'm gonna guess they're the owners of the uh, hotel. Mm -hmm. It's a man and woman, and he's like, "Hi, I'm Mike Anslin," you know, and they're like, "Oh yeah, we we didn't think he was gonna come," you know, and the storms here and everything, and they're like, "I guess you want to hear about the haunting, you know, about the women woman yeah. hanging herself here," and he's just like, "I'll hear about it in the morning. Just give me the key." Like, yeah, the whole time they're trying to talk to him about the history of this hotel and all this kind of stuff, he's just like, "All right, give me the key." Yeah. Okay, give me the key. Hey, you know, I'll probably learn a whole lot more room when I'm in the key. When I, you'll give me the key to the room. I, <laughs> yeah. I, I just, like, give, let me in the room. And I love when they're like, uh, we actually have a picture of uh, her, the ghost hanging, and it's on a little brochure. And she, they're like, do you see it? Do you see it? And he's like, yeah, I see it. Like he's just all like <laughs> nonchalant. It's 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 a he really get the sense of the very beginning that he's just not a people person. Right. Like, and I've always heard that you know writers tend to be that way. Mm -hmm. Like in real life, you know, when a writer is, they're just, that's what they want to do. They want to write. They don't want to talk to people. They just want to write and do their stuff. So you really get that sense from him that he doesn't, he just doesn't really want to do a whole lot with people. So he he finally does get the key. And when he goes upstairs, I, I didn't never notice this. It's room 14. I never noticed it either. Yeah. So kind of a little, you know, yeah, pre prelude. Yeah. But something that always caught my eyes when he gets into the hotel room, the first thing he does is he takes a cigarette. Yep, and he sets it on the uh, ashtray, mm -hmm. and he but he places it like very gentle, real nice and neat. It's almost like he's staging it. Yeah, for whatever reason. I mean, it never really goes into. I mean, he does it later on in the movie, but it never goes into a, the story behind why he does it, other than him saying that he used to smoke, but he stopped, and it's more of a superstition thing now. Right. So, it's just kind of doing little while it's rolling the credits and the music's playing. It's like a little montage. It's just him. You know, you can tell he's staying up. He's Listening to the pipes, he's sticking his head, it looks like in the fireplace, you mm -hmm. know. And um, finally, he just hops on a bed and sunrise. So he's talking on his little uh, uh, tape recorder, mm -hmm. talking about how it, it wasn't haunted. And uh, pretty much the only thing they got going for him is it's right off the interstate, you know, it's like a haunted yeah. attraction, I guess you could say. People want to stay there just to see if it's really haunted, right? But so we go to that. Now we're at the, uh, a bookstore. I don't know what bookstore is supposed to be, but um, 
he has a book signing for his new book. I believe it was uh, the 10 Most Haunted, haunted hotels. hotels. Yeah. yeah. And I really enjoy this scene because he walks up to the guy behind the counter. And he's like, hey, I'm here for the event. And the dude's like, oh, okay. Like, I guess he's thinking he's a fan. Yeah. And he's like, no. And he picks that paper up, and it's him on the paper, you know. And uh, he's like, oh, yeah, I see a striking resemblance. And the dude gets the microphone and announces it over the bookstore. Uh, hey, at 7 o'clock p.m. tonight, we have a special guest. And, you know, he, he tells his name, Mike Enslin, and he's like, uh, author of stuff as best as uh, 10 best haunted hotels, 10 best haunted lighthouses, 10 mm. best haunted, <laughs> like everything just was going right through it, yeah. And you see John Cusack's just like, oh, he's like, shut up and put me in a chair already. Yeah, you know, he's just, <laughs> but uh, again, he's got that attitude where it's just like, very cut dry. Yeah. You know, you don't, when he's laughing, you don't really know if he's like actually enjoying it or if he's just like, hey, yeah. Well, it boils down to him just not being a people person. Like, he just doesn't like talking to people. Right. He does all his talking on it in his books. So then you, it cuts to him sitting there in the library, and, or not library, I'm sorry, the bookstore, and he's talking. And you don't know how many people's there yet, but he's talking about his new book and what the experiences he's been through. And then it cuts and it shows four people in the audience. Yeah. And he starts asking, you know, Anybody got any questions? Of course, they asked the random. I like the woman. She's like, uh, "What's your, what's the uh, most haunted place you ever visited?" And he's like, "Wow, never heard that question before." <laughs> and he just looks over. He goes, "That was a joke." You know, she she laughs. But anyway, uh, they're signing, or he's signing the books. Well, this woman comes up, and she's got one called "The Long Road Home," mm -hmm. and they really don't give any backstory on this. And no. he's like, wow, where'd you dig that thing up? She's like, I found it on eBay. And he's like, how much did it go for? And she goes, nobody else bid on it. And then she says something about, is it true? And he goes, is what true? She goes, the story with the father and son. And he just looks up at her and he goes, no. Yeah, it's no. all fiction. Yeah, it's and all they don't really, it never never gives you any any idea of what the book is actually about. But that one part where she says, is it true about the father and son and all this kind of stuff, it makes me believe, and it's, it's probably the way it's supposed to be, it makes me believe that it was actually written by him and his daughter. Yeah, that's the way I see it. So, I mean, it, it, but it doesn't give you any inclination. The only thing that I can think of the book is about is the man and his son, and his son dies. Right. Based off of Mike Enslin's life. He changed it just enough where it wouldn't be too personal. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. To let, almost like let people in, you know? Right. So... Anyway, we go to him being at his apartment, and he gets taken out by a wave. He gets, you know, he's out there on the surfboard, and there's an airplane with a logo behind it. It's like for a call for insurance. Yeah. And I remember watching this back in 07, and when the wave hits him, and then all of a sudden it shows him waking up on the beach, and the guy runs over, and he's like, hey, buddy, you okay? And he's spitting water. I don't know why, but I knew that was going to come back to play in the movie. Well, they put so much emphasis on it. Yeah. It was like, it was just a random moment, but then there was something, I don't know, powerful feeling about him laying on the beach like that and that guy coming up. It was like, something's going to happen with this, you know? Yeah. It, it, it was uh, almost a misplaced scene, in my opinion. You know what I'm saying? Like, it was like, that didn't go anything. It seemed misplaced at first because right. you had this loner, he's a writer, you don't really think anything about him being athletic, and then all of a sudden he's surfing. So mm -hmm. now he's laid up on the beach. So you're like, this doesn't fit in here. You find out later that it fits perfectly. So now he goes to the post office and mm -hmm. just getting his mail. And then he goes to a, looks like a little diner or restaurant. 
and he's going through all these envelopes, and he get, uh, he gets a postcard, and it's from the uh, Dolphin or Dolphin 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 Hotel from New York, and he flips it over, and somebody wrote, "Don't enter 1408." Mm-hmm. That was all. Now that right there, who wrote the, don't who sent it to him? Never says. Right. Never tells. Never. The I, room. I, the room sent it to him. I guess. Dum dum dum. Yeah, I mean, that's one thing I like. I said I haven't seen this movie in probably at least five years, and that's what when I seen it, I was like, did they ever say who sent it? But they didn't. Mm-mm, never does. And I, I think it's really cool how he sits there and he dissects it and he reads it and he's like, he's writing something on it. And he, I, I had no idea what he's writing at first. He wrote. Uh, he, and he wrote thirteen, which. One plus four plus zero plus eight equals 13. And he right. was like, clever. You know, that's clever. So, um, he he calls the book the room. And you hear a man answer the phone. And he's like, yeah, I'd like to uh, stay in room 1408. And he's like, that's unavailable. And he's yeah. like, but I didn't tell you a date. And then he's like, what about Tuesday? Unavailable. Next week? Unavailable. Next month? Like, he just starts, you next, know. Next summer. That's not available. And then he just hangs up. Yeah. So right there, and that's what me and Randy was talking about. I said, that would would that intrigue you any uh, even more to go to the hotel? Oh, yeah. Without a shadow of a doubt, I would sit there and I'd be driving to the hotel that day if somebody was doing that. I was like, all right, now I got to see what's really going on here. Right. You know, it would just it would just pique my curiosity more than anything. You would think, honestly, that they would do something if they really didn't, and they truly didn't want people staying in that room, they would do something and just lie and say it's booked. Or something, just to say that it's not, instead of just telling people you don't want to stay in that room and don't stay in that room, it's not available. Right. It would do something to keep people from it being, going Mm -hmm. into it. Oh, yeah. Um, So, then we see, I guess he's talking to his, well, we see it's Monk, off the show Monk. I don't know what his character name was, but uh, he's talking to a lawyer, it looks like, and he's like, hey, look. I got Mike on the phone. I keep it upbeat because he's a real, you know, I don't know what he called him. Pretty much like a downer. Yeah. <laughs> you know, half glass or half empty kind of guy, mm-hmm. you know. And he's like, hey, Mike. He gets on the phone. He's all excited. But what you said you thought Monk was like playing. I thought he was playing. It seemed like he was playing like a publisher. Yeah. I, I, because he had that, the room that he was in and where he was working had that newspaper vibe feel to him. Mm-hmm. But with Insulin being a book writer. Right. It made me seem like it was probably his publisher. So, but we know he he has the lawyer with him, and they tell Mike, "Hey, look, uh, they cannot deny you that room. Yeah, they have to. I mean, they can persuade you not to take the room. Yeah, he basically. Yeah, he basically told him as long as nobody's staying in the room, they can't. They have to give it to you. Yeah, if, you know, if you request the room, they have to give it to you. Otherwise, there's a lawsuit. And so, now Mike knows. Okay, I can <clears> stay. And then I believe um, they book it for Mike. Yeah. And the lawyer leaves, and then, like I said, I'm gonna call him Monk. He picks up the phone. He's like, "Hey, Mike, you don't you can tell now they're they're close to each other." Yeah. Because just the way he's talking to him, he's like, uh, "Are you sure you want to come back to New York?" And so now we're already getting a story where now it's intriguing. It's like, okay, what are we? What's going on in that situation? Right. And he's like, "Have you talked to Lily?" And we don't know who Lily is at this point. And he's like, "In and out, get it done." So, it cuts to now, there's the Dolphin Hotel. And a huge hotel, huge building. And Mike walks in, walks up to the uh, secretary or what do you whatever you want to call her. Stewardess Stewart- or something. Stewardess is somebody on an airplane, dude. 
You can be a steward of other places. You can be a steward of a house. I don't know what she did. I guess receptionist. The clerk. I don't know what she was. Anyway, the woman that you go to the hotel, be like, hey, I need this there room. Okay. There you go. But anyway, uh, so he, go, he goes up to her and tells the woman behind the counter, he's like, uh, yeah, I've got a room booked for one night for Mike Insulin. And she looks over and it says on the computer, a little message, and it says, uh, contact manager before mm-hmm. check-in. So she goes over and she tells the guy, hey, you know, Mike Insulin's here. So then they go get, and we get introduced to Gerald Olin, which is played by Samuel Jackson. And Mr. Olin is, like, very persuasive. He's like, hey, anything you need, we can get you uh, basketball tickets. Mm-hmm. We can get you, uh, what did he say, dinner reservations. Yep. And he's like, and he's like, no, I just need the key to 1408. And then Mr. Olin's like, well, we thought about upgrading you. And he's like, I don't want to be upgraded. I want to stay in room 1408. So then Mr. Olin says, well, can you accompany me to my office? And that's where now we start getting all the backstory to uh, the room. You want to take over for a minute? Yeah, so basically what he's, he walks into the room and, and he's, he's telling them everything that's going on with the room. And he said that since he's been there, there have been four, uh, four deaths. He's going over, you know, how people have died. And, <clears throat> and the whole time he's doing it, Mike Inslin is, is pretty much mocking them and just kind of downplaying it. He uh, at one point, Olin is is going through the reports of you know people that have killed themselves and how many hangings and how many jumpers, and then Mike starts repeating the exact same statistics that he was repeating because he had done the research on it. And he's recording this the whole time. Yeah, he. On his uh, tape. So he he's doing that and he's he's telling him he's like, but have you heard of the the natural deaths? And this I think is where really Mike Insulin's interest and curiosity is really peaked. Because this isn't anything that he's researched before. And he's like, natural deaths, what are you talking about? And he starts going over like heart attacks, strokes, and all this kind of stuff. Drownings. And, mm-hmm. and he was like, drownings? And one of the ones he brought up, yes, yeah, somebody drowned in their chicken noodle soup. Yeah. So it was like, he was like, that's hard to do. And he's like, oh yeah, it's hard. <laughs> so there was 56 deaths total. 56 deaths total in, yeah. the, in the room since it uh, since it started. They 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 mentioned one guy that was a uh, sales rep for a sewing machine company and he ended up cutting his throat and he was in such a craze that he tried to stitch it back together with an old sewing needle. Yeah. So it was kind of like, yeah. And we, one of the most important things is uh, Mr. Olin says no one ever lasts more than an hour. Yep. So that's the big key. Okay, now we know he's got to go for an hour. But it's funny, I think that that whole scene right there is probably one of my favorites because they played off each other so good. They really did. They even he even gives them this like, alcohol. It's a nineteen thirty two, nineteen thirty two, and takes a drink of it. And he, it was it was the best part of that whole scene was when he took the drink. He was, he 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 thinks he's almost got him to the point where he's not going to take the room. Yeah, because he tells him he goes, "You don't take the room. You can have that." He goes, "I'm gonna give you the bottle, but if you don't take the room, I'm gonna give you all these files right here, and you can write." And he goes, "You can even take pictures of room fourteen oh six because it looks just like fourteen oh eight. Yeah, and he and he's sitting there and he's thinking, you're going to let me see all those notes. So it, it makes it seem like he's really considering it just to get the notes and get out of there and be done with it. So he pours him a drink and he takes a little drink of it and he's like, no, I'm going to stay in the room. And he's like, dang it to hell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he thought he had him. He was like, oh, man, I can't believe you're going to do it. And I love, uh, well, see, and I wish I, I should have wrote it down. But I've always loved that line that John Cusack says where he leans across the table and he gets in front of Samuel L. Jackson's face and he's like, 
I learned a long time ago that beasties and ghoulies yeah. don't exist and all this. Like it's just a very creepy way he yeah. said it. Man, I wish I knew the I wish I knew the quote from the movie. Well see, and that's like my favorite quote that Samuel L. Jackson has is before they go into the room to talk and he's like so what's the deal about the, the you know, it's, I've never said anything about supernatural or anything like that. Mm-hmm. He's like, well, what would you call it then? He just kind of leans in. He goes, it's an evil effing room. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I mean, it's Samuel L. Jackson. He's got to throw the F-bomb in there at least <laughs> yeah. once. You know, he has to. <laughs> but, yeah. And the shot where it cuts to, all you see is the key laying there, and all of a sudden Mr. Olin's head pops in to get the key. Mm-hmm. The camera shot, is set, the camera is setting in the little cupboard with the key. I love that because the key looks so far away from Mm -hmm. Mr. Olin. You know what I'm saying? It looks like it's in its like a long corridor thing on purpose that way to keep people from reaching back in there. So he gets the key and uh, oh, Mike insulin. He's like, oh, he goes. A lot of places have switched to electronics now. He goes, nothing electronics will work in this room. Mm -hmm. And I remember what he says something like, I hope you ain't got your cell phone or something. I I hope you don't have a pacemaker. A pacemaker. That's it. Yeah. I hope you don't have a pacemaker. So he's got an old school key. And you pointed something out, I'll get to it here in just a second, but um, he does tell him, he goes, this has to be a nasty hotel, or a nasty room, I mean. Yeah, they're in the elevator on their way up. Yes. And uh, and he said something about, <clears throat> they don't want to, something about why don't they, you know, just not advertise it or whatever. And he's like, well, they, you know, the owner, they want to make, you know, make it seem like there's nothing wrong. You know how owners like to pretend there's not even a 13th floor, you know. And then they do a shot of the elevator, and it's counting the, the floors, and it goes from 12 to 14. So then Mike Inslin's like, hey, nobody's been in this room in so many years. You know, it's got to be filthy and nasty. And he's like, no, we're very professional. We do a turndown service. He's like, once a month. Once a month, we go in there. I supervise. We have two maids go in there. It's, you know. And no more than 10 minutes at a time. So and they, the door stays open. The door stays open completely. And uh, he tells them a story about how one, um, is it, was she from El Salvador? Is that what he said? I don't, yeah. Some, somewhere around yeah. there. She was a maid from like, from, you know, South America. She got locked in the bathroom for 10 minutes mm. and said that by the time they got there, she was blind. And it was like, she just went blind. He was like, no, she had gouged her eyes out with laughing, a, hysterically. laughing hysterically, gouged her eyes out with a pair of scissors. Yeah. So it was like, so they don't leave the door open completely. They do the turndown service. He supervises two at a time. They're not in there for longer than 10 minutes at a time. So I wonder if he would have got into the hotel room and just kept the door open if nothing would have happened. I think the room would have shut the door eventually. <laughs> eventually. Yeah, I, I don't think the door. I don't think the door would have stayed open very long. Cause I'm pretty. That room was laying bricks, man. Come on, oh, it's going. <laughs> it was. It was doing something. But uh, when he gets off the <clears throat> elevator, he looks back at Mr. Olin. Mr. Olin's like, "This is as far as I get. To, this is as close as I get to room fourteen oh eight. And it's John Cusack's face when he turns. Oh, he starts to walk off. And Samuel Jackson's like, "Hey, Mr. Insulin." Don't do this. One final plea. Yeah, don't do this. And he just turns around, and when the door's shut, like, you can actually see that Mike Insulin for a minute was like... That's a little creepy. Yeah. And I never noticed, or I didn't think of it until Randy pointed it out. But he's sitting there walking, and he's looking through all the uh, the files of what happened, all the murder cases and suicides and all that. And he bumps into, like, the little... Uh, Seats in the middle of where, like, if you're going to be waiting on the elevator, yeah. And he's walking around reading his stuff, and all of a sudden he bumps into it. And as soon as he bumps into it, the elevator opens up right beside him. And you said, 
Yeah, it just it's, it's, it's weird because when he bumped into it, as soon as he bumped into it, the elevator started to open. And it was like the hotel telling him, hey, you got one more chance to not stay in this room. Yes. We're giving you one more opportunity to back out. Here's the elevator. The door's open. Just step inside and you'll be saved. And he just kind of looks at it for a minute. And, and he, I almost got to feel like he was thinking it. It was like, is this... It's my last opportunity, mm-hmm. you know, because there was there were moments in his face and his facial expressions where there, when he was talking to Olin and seeing that and reading the file and all this kind of stuff, where he, he looked like he was generally getting freaked out, right? You know, but yeah, when that elevator door opened and he was like, "One more shot," mm-hmm. and then he took off walking, and the door just slowly closed. Right as soon as he, I mean, it was like as soon as he took a step away, mm-hmm. that's when the elevator started closing. Yep. <clears throat> so. He finally gets to room 1408, and I love how, like, he takes the book to open the door, and when he opens the door, you just see his silhouette, and he steps in the room, clicks the light on, clicks the other light on, and then he just looks around, and it's quiet for a second, and he's like, this is it? <laughs> like, he's not impressed whatsoever. No. <clears throat> and he's just going through, and, you know, now he's got his uh, tape recorder, and he's just, you know, talking about what he sees and stuff. But I love because he goes over to the uh, little fridge area and there's a sign and it says $8 for beer nuts. And he's like, $8 for beer nuts? This room is evil. You know? <laughs> but he still opens the can of yeah. beer nuts and starts exactly. eating. You know? Uh, but anyway, so he's just going through and he's talking about, you know, hey, it's just a random room. You know? And he's kind of talking about what he sees. And... It cuts to it. I guess he had been in there for a little bit because now he's just sitting on the bed relaxing. Yep. And he's talking. And I believe it's... uh. No, he, I think he's looking out the window, isn't he? When the... It's only just begun. That's well, he's, he was eating the mints. Like, he ate the mints off the pillow. Then he gets up and goes to the window. Then he, then he you know, gets up and goes... Or he... he he eats the mints off the pillow and he's you know goes to look at the window. He goes to lay back down and then the song hits on the radio. And then he looks over, and the mints are back on the pillow after he's at the window. So he goes over to the window, song hits, he looks back, and the mints are on the pillow. Oh, we forgot to mention that he ripped the toilet paper before all that. He ripped toilet paper off, yeah. and I don't know if he blew his nose or what he did, but he t- 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 uh, took the toilet paper off, did what we had to do, he threw it away. Yeah, and then when the he was at the window, and that song came up, he hit his head, and he turned around real quick, and the two mints are back on the pillow. So he he walks over there. Then he goes in the bathroom and he sees the... Uh, the toilet paper is folded back the way it was. Yeah, he's like, he got there. whoa. I love how he yeah. that. He's like, whoa. And now he, he gets his tape recorder out and he's talking again. He's like, this guy has to be Houdini. And he's like, he'll be in the living room. And he runs to the living room. Uh-huh. But he's like checking. Oh, and he checks the closet in the bedroom. Yep. But, yeah, uh, that's where he starts getting the one-liners like that. Because he's like... Don't take candy from strangers. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Starts with the booze and all that kind of stuff. He said like, he gave you the booze after, you know, later yeah. on. Yeah. Later on where he's talking about you. But, I mean, that's what I'm saying. He's he's done enough of this stuff where he does contemplate every scenario of, wait a minute now, mm-hmm. you know. But anyway. Well, you kind of get the gist. Like, as soon as, when all that happens and he's running around with the tape recorder trying to find whoever's in the room doing the stuff, you kind of get the sense that that's when he started to kind of go off the end. Yeah. You know, kind of go over the edge. And, like, he looked like he was, like, genuinely freaked out. And he's not flipping out yet. No. Not, just, not he, flipping out yet. But you can you can hear the curiosity hitting him. Yeah. Like, you know. But he still thinks, okay, somebody was in that room. They mm-hmm. set the mints there and they fixed the toilet paper up, you yep. know. And the more he's walking around, you see that he starts sweating. Yep. So, 
he, uh, he's got one of the windows open. I think he opens the second one as well. And he goes over to the AC, and the AC ain't working. Yep, you know, it's, it's slowly climbing to 80. Well, then it cuts to he's got the black light. And, <sighs> like, there's blood splatter all over the bed sheets, all over the, uh, or the quilt, all over the floor. Like, and, But I love the shot because every time he goes over it, it'll flash and you can see the body laying there. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I just thought that was, you know, because he, you know, he saw the pictures. So he knows exactly why it's in that corner, you know, why the blood's here and there. But I thought that was pretty neat. Um, and as he's flicking the lights back on, he don't have all the lights on yet. He looks over, and the picture frame of the sailboat yeah, he is sees crooked. It, he sees it through that little plate glass, like the, yeah. the little the door frame. He sees that the window's just kind of, or the picture is kind of cockeyed over the fireplace. Mm-hmm. So he walks over there, and he's talking, and he straightens it up, and straightens it this way, and it's just, yeah. And he it's funny because before all that, he calls, and he's like, uh... They're like, how can we assist you, Mr. Insulin? He's like, yeah, I'm in room 1408. He goes, the air, air is not working. And she's like, we'll send somebody right up away. And he's like, you will? <laughs> like, he didn't think they would. Yeah. But he's fixing the picture frame, and then all of a sudden you hear the door knock, and he just jumps. Like, it scared the daylights out of him. And this is a good part. He opens the door, and there's a... Uh, he struggles to get the door open. Yeah. He goes to open it, and it's like the door's stuck. Yeah. Right. So he pulls on it really hard, and then by the time the door opens, he kind of flies back because he had... You know, put all his force into it. Mm-hmm. The guy's just standing there. The air conditioner man. And he's got his tool bag in his hand and stuff, yeah. you know. And uh, he's like, yeah, the dang thing's broken. He's like, it's 80 degrees in here. And he walks over to the air conditioning unit and he turns around and the guy's still standing there. And he's like, hey, the air conditioner over here. He goes, I know where the heck it's at. <laughs> I ain't coming in this room. Yeah, and he's like, it's just six feet, you know. He's he's like, I am not going in this room. <laughs> yeah. Like, Anybody can fix it. Let me t- I'll tell you what to do. And he tells him what to take off, and he's like, you see that little uh, glass, whatever it's called? Mercury. Mercury in it? He goes, just tap it. And he don't even give him a chance to tap it. He's like, just tap it. Just tap the dang thing. And he's like, pow, and as soon as he taps it, you hear the air conditioner come on, and he's like, oh, thank you, man. You're a genius. And he's like, let me give you, and he turns around. Gone. Guy's gone. (laughs) He he didn't waste no time. Yeah, and he's like, a tip. Like, he was going to say, let me give you a tip. Yeah, he walked all the way to the door to see where the guy had went. By the time he got to the door and looked down the hallway, the guy was getting on the elevator. Right. He, was, he wasn't playing around with that room. So, he's finally got the AC going. He goes back and he hops up on the bed again. And he's sitting there. And the music hits again. Mm-hmm. It's only just begun. But this time, uh, he looks over and the clock is like, I think it was like 8.07. It, like it changes and now you just start seeing, and I love the noises like, dun, 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 like it's yeah. rewinding, you know. And it hits 60 minutes. And then he remembers no one lasts as longer than an hour. Yeah, and he even makes the comment that's a nice touch. Yeah. You know, because in his mind, everything that's going on is a part of the room's lore. You know? Right. Everything is everything that's happening from the mints, the pillow, the the toilet paper, the picture, the, the clock and everything. That's all part of the mystique of the room 1408. Right. So in his mind, it's just like, wow, that's a, that's a nice little touch, you know. Yeah. Um, so now is when he goes out to the window and I'm trying to think, uh, no, it's just where he sees his, uh, sees the person across. No, this is where he gets like the ringing in his ear. That's right. Yeah. He so it's like that really bad ringing in his ear and he can't hear anything else. 
So he goes to the window. He goes to the window to look over the edge, and it, and it's really weird because I started getting the ring in my ear whenever they were doing it. But he looks over the edge and he sees you know all the cars and everything, and the only thing he can hear is that ringing. And I thought it was really cool because they have like a uh, an ambulance on the right. on the road, lights you know lights flashing. You would assume it would be blaring, but you couldn't hear anything. Right. Then the uh, all of a sudden the uh, window slammed shut on his hand. Yep. He got his hand pretty good. I mean, there's blood everywhere. Man. And you know he's he's having a fit. He goes in the bathroom and he hits the curtain. So there's blood all over the curtain. And he wraps his hands up uh, in a paper towel. Well, or not paper towel. I'm sorry, a towel. Then when he goes over to the uh, faucet to the sink, he turns it on and it just starts spraying. I'm, I'm guessing hot water. He starts to holler. Yeah, he started washing it and it washed off for a second. And then all of a sudden, that hot water started moving. He started seeing the steam and everything. So that, so now <laughs> that was he's, hilarious how he was going to get a towel. Yeah. And he put it on there trying to turn it off. And he'd get another towel and he put it on there and he eventually just kicked it. Right. So now he, he's he's pissed and he's hurt. Yep. So he... he <laughs> He walks over and uh, oh, the um, the thing starts going off again. It's only mm-hmm. just begun, and I love that because it's the hotel telling him, "Hey, look, dude, we just begun here. Just this is the start started. of it, man. Just getting started." And he unplugs it, but it's still counting down. He unplugs the alarm clock. Well, the phone rings, and he runs over there, and it, and she's like, uh, "Hey, uh, your uh, supper." There was a mix-up in the kitchen, or yeah, something about a not- sandwich. And he's like, I didn't order no sandwich. And he was like, listen, you stupid. You know what? He's like, I'm hurt. Get somebody up here. And she's like, I don't appreciate that tone. And, he, and he's like, I'm going to sue you. You know, because he thinks it's all them doing right. this. And so he, he slams the phone down because they, they're not helping him. So now is where Mike starts panicking. Mm-hmm. And he goes over. He gets the key. And he goes to, because uh, remember, he told him, lock the door in from the inside. Yeah. Or no, lock the door. No, he said, did they say something about locking the door from the inside? Or he said out? I can't remember. I want to say they said something about it. I don't remember saying anything about locking the door. Oh, no. I'm sorry. That was the first hotel. Remember? The yeah. Third? Yeah, I'm yeah. sorry. I got that yeah. mixed up. But So he goes over the door, and it's locked. So he puts the key in, and when the key breaks, it gets, it gets like sucked through yep. the hole. The door eats it. Yeah. So now is when he runs to the window, and he sees a guy across the street. And I'm guessing in another apartment building or something. Yeah, there was a building across the way from the street, and there's a guy sitting in a silhouette, and he's trying to get his attention. And the guy, you know, he gets up. You can tell that he he sees uh, Mike's uh, panicking, and he's like, hey, over here, hey, call the number. Well, all of a sudden, now you start seeing that the guy that's across the street is doing the same thing that Mike's doing. Yep. I thought that was a pretty, pretty good little turn to it because that would be creepy to see. Oh, yeah, it freaked me out for sure. So he reaches, so after after a good few minutes of them, you know, they're mocking each other, John Cusack's character, Mike, grabs a lamp, to, you know, to show his face. Well, then he realizes that's him across the road. But as he sees him across the road, a guy with a hammer comes up behind him. And that was one of the parts in the theater that made me jump. Yeah. You know, he turns around, the dude just swing, and he's swinging, and Mike Cusack, or Mike Cusack, <laughs> Mike Inslin, Dives over the bed. He rolls over, lands in the corner, and the guy just goes away. Yep. Just vanishes out of nowhere. This is where, in my opinion, like, one, he's he's like, okay, he believes it now. But this is where I think John Cusack acting just totally starts being amazing. Yeah. Because he gets that stinking tape recorder board. He's sitting there shaking, you know, and he's talking. and That's when he starts mentioning, and he's, he's freaking out, and he's trying to figure out. And then he said, the booze. So he goes over to the bottle yes. of the booze that he gave him. And he was like, and this is when he started talking about don't take a candy from yeah. strangers. 
So it was like the booze, the candy, the candy in the corner, the strangers, the strangers they got the booze, they got the booze, the candy, they got the, don't take candy for strangers, don't take it. Yeah. He's just freaking out. Yeah, and he's like, did he take a sip? Did he take a drink? Yeah. He toasted. You know, he's like, <laughs> he's, he's replaying it all in his mind, yeah. which is pretty slick though. Yeah. Because he's like, he's trying know. to keep. I, I guess he's trying to make sense of it to see make it make sense when it doesn't. Well, then all of a sudden we start hearing his daughter's voice, Oof. and it's a home video of them uh, on the TV. And you can tell it's such a touchy subject because, I mean, like, as much as he's flipping out, it always stops him in his tracks. Yep. So now he goes over and he sits on the edge of the bed. and Or not sitting sit on the edge of the bed, I'm sorry. He gets on the edge of the bed and uh, he's watching the video. And it's just like a little home video of them making silly faces and stuff. <laughs> and all of a sudden it just cuts off. Well, this, this, that when the TV came on and it was showing those pictures and stuff, he got up to it and he put his hand on it mm-hmm. whenever his daughter... Because in the, in the home video, they're doing this like ugly person face contest or whatever. Right. So his daughter gets up and she goes right up to the camera. So her face is like directly in front of the camera. And he kind of puts his hand on the screen. Well, well, right before he you know backs away from the TV, the look on his daughter's face is like she's seen something. Mm-hmm. Like she was like in awe or all of a sudden. Because it was almost like she's seen him through the TV. Right. That I, I know that, and I just noticed that you know, watching it this time, the look on her face where she was just kind of she was kind of taken aback, you know, because mm-hmm. she was like, "Oh, that's dad." You know, what's going on there? And it freaked him out for sure. Right. And now, like after the TV cuts off, he says he sees uh, a man. It's a black and white version of a man. He's like, it, it looked pretty cool. It looked like he was from like the thirties or forties. And he goes over to the window, and he looks right at Mike, and he jumps out the window. Yep. Well, then he sees uh, a woman in a bright, like, green or red and white dress mm-hmm. walking over to the other window. She looks over, and you can hear her jump out. And to me, that was like the room telling him, hey, there's a way out. Yeah. There you go. That was the first option. They were like, this is what this is what these people did, you know? Yeah. Like, what are you going to do? And he goes into the uh, living room, and then that's when he realizes the bathroom's different. He hears something in the bathroom. This part right here, I wish I would have wrote down what his dad said. But oh, I remember. Okay, well, he walks yeah. in, and he sees his dad uh, sitting in a wheelchair. It looks like his dad was probably like in a home or something. Yeah. Or it could have been a nut house. <clears throat> I don't know. Mm-hmm. But he walks over, and he's like, Pop? And then all of his, uh, and his dad tells him, yeah, he just turns, he slowly just turns and looks him in the face and he says, as you are, I was, and as I am, you will be. Okay. I see. I got, I caught the last part yeah. of it. And it's almost like him saying like, I was like you once, but soon you're going to be like me mm-hmm. and you're going to be in my shoes. So I don't know if he meant you're going to go crazy the way I'm going. I went crazy. Cause I did kind of get the feel. Cause when he walked into the, the bathroom, he was kind of talking, his dad was kind of talking to himself. Mm-hmm. So I did kind of get the feel that he had something mentally wrong with him. So that's the way I took it. It was like, I was like you once, but soon you're going to go crazy. Like I am. Right. So that's the way I took it. Well, no. Um, so now he, it's like all of a sudden his dad gone and he's on his knee in the, uh, bathroom. So he goes back to deliver him, and it's like finally he's done. He looks over, and he sees the chart where like the fire exits would be. Yeah. And he looks out the window, and he sees the railing where he would have a little bit of room to walk. And he goes back over there, and he's like, "Okay, where's the nearest window?" And he, I think he counts uh ten feet. Nine. It's nine. Oh, it from, nine? nine from the wall to the window. So he says, 
It would be the same on the other room, so it was 9 plus 9 is 18. So now he goes out the window, and he, I love it because he's, he, he puts one leg out the window, and he grabs his tape recorder, and he's like, if something should happen to me, let it be known that I did not jump. This room did not beat me. It was an accident. <laughs> yeah, it was an accident. This room did not beat me. Yeah. So he gets out on the ledge, and he starts, you know, he, he, he's got his torso and everything against the brick. Yeah. And he's he's counting. You can hear him counting the feet as he's walking. And he's like, the window should be here. He finally makes it nine feet, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, I think he actually makes it 20 feet at one. I think he says something about 20. That's He said, that's 20 feet. It should be here right now. And then it, the camera shows that it... Like the building is really long and there's all you see is bricks. There's no window whatsoever. And then when the camera pans back, there's only two windows and it's his window. Yeah, the whole the whole building has no windows except his two windows. And this was a scare, uh, a jump scare for me when I watched in theaters because now he's going back to the window and the siren goes off and he almost falls. Mm-hmm. Well, then as he gets to the window, here comes that woman again and she's like, swipes at him. Yeah, it's like she was finna knock him out. Yeah, you know. Yeah, it freaked me out too. So... And then while he's while he's hanging there, he's she's crying again, and she he watches her get out the window, jumps off, and she vanishes like that lamp did earlier. Mm-hmm. So right before she hits the ground, she's it, it's cool. It's almost like a light bulb going. That's like yeah, and yeah. goes away. Yeah, I, that and the guy that fell. It was almost like it was like an old black and white TV, like mm-hmm. you know how going in and out and stuff like that. That's that's the way it looked to me. So. He uh, gets back into the actual hotel, and he looks over, and he's laying on his back. Well, he looks upside down. He sees that the chart that he looked at, where the emergency exits, the fire exits, mm-hmm. now all it says is "You are here." And it's just one room. Yep. And he looks out the uh, the peephole or whatever they call it, and it's just a brick. Just a brick wall. Yep. And then all of a sudden, you hear everything like I don't know. I don't know how to say it. It's like everything closed in. He turns around and. The room's like really lit up now, and all you see is bricks outside the window. Yeah, the window he just came in from is nothing but bricks. And then he goes into the bedroom where the other window was, and it's a solid wall. And he kind of just leans up against the wall, and he's just like hugging the wall, and he pulls his tape recorder out to see what it was, and he's listening to some of the things that he has said before. And some of the things that they were showing on, on the movie, him saying into the camera starts playing, and then he kind of fast-forwards it, and then he goes, strangely enough, the room only has one window. Mm-hmm. and Or there's no window or something like that. The, 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 bedroom, the bedroom has no window. Yeah, the bedroom has no window. When the bedroom had a window, but he never even said that. Right. That was something the room put on the tape. And now uh, he sees his daughter. Like it, I guess it's doing like, it's telling the story of uh, what his daughter was going through. Yeah. So we now we're introduced to, okay, now we're seeing what's happening and it's, him and Lily, his wife, they're sitting there and, you know, she's crying. She's like, no, there's something, something's got to be done. You know, the, the, we can get second opinions. And it shows Katie uh, in the bed. So, you know, I mean, automatically you're like, okay, you know, she she's dying sick, or yeah. she's sick, you know. And he's like, I got to call Lily. He, it just hits him all of a sudden. He gets his laptop. And now we get introduced to Lily, like as far as, you know, her, her talking with uh, Mike and he's telling her, where he's at, and she's not really listening because she's just like, I ain't heard from you in a year, and now you're just now you just pop up on my screen, right. and she's at work. But he's trying to tell her, he's like, look, I'm trapped. Some they're trying to kill me, or this room trying to kill me, and she's not really hearing it. And see, when I first watched it, I was like, he's not really talking to her. Mm-hmm. That's what I thought, you know. Yeah. But 
Anyway, um, then all of a sudden the room turns the sprinklers on, or the whatever you call them. Fries the computer. Yeah, and <laughs> he kills me because after it's all said and done, he keeps looking up at the the daggum vent. And earlier he looks at the vent and he look there's a wire there and he thought it was a camera. He's like, is this how you're watching? Yeah. Is this how you're? And he keeps calling for Olin, which is you know Samuel Jackson's character. He's like, is this how you're watching? But that was earlier in the movie. But now he he looks up, and I I guess he thought he saw something move, and he takes like this, I don't know. It looks like, like oh, it's a piece of chair. Yeah, yeah. A piece of chair that broke. And he pops the uh, ceiling. He pops that little uh, vent. Just the look on his face while he does it. He's just like, anybody up there? He hits it once and kind of backs down real quick. And, and his he, eyes move a little bit. Yeah, like, his eyes kind of move around, and he he gets up and he gets on the chair and he hits it twice and he gets back down and his eyes do the exact same thing. So. Finally, he, uh, he takes his knife and he unscrews the vent and he's like, I got a knife. Puts it in his mouth and he dives up in there. You know, he jumps yep. up and he makes it to the next room because he can hear the baby crying. We've heard the baby crying through the whole opening, you know, yeah. the second act of the movie, I guess you could say. And uh, he's like, ma'am, ma'am, I'm coming in. And she re- he realizes it's his wife, their baby girl, and she's talking to Mike. And then all of a sudden she looks up at him and yeah, it's his wife. Yeah. This is all I wrote down was the Dust Bunny Man. It was, I don't know what it was, dude, because it was like this mummified. At one point, it looked like a guy with a like a burlap sack over his head mm. at first. But then as you see, it opens his mouth and all this kind of stuff. It honestly looks like somebody that was just mummified in the vent or something like that. I still, I don't know, I, I, I took it as... Some it was it was one of the people that stayed in the whole or in that room tried to get out the same way he did and they died up there. I mean that that's what I would take from it because that's what it seemed like because it it would make sense the way they looked because it right. was like a dry corpse. If they were in the air vent and it was constantly had heat going over the body and almost smoked them, you know, while right. they were you know dead up there. Man, that thing scared the crap out of me when I first saw it because like how his legs are just bobbing, you know, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, Mike kicks him in the face, and his jaw, his bottom jaw, falls off. And he he finally gets back to the, the opening vent to his room, and he falls through, and he lands through the table, and he's like, ah, "It's good to be back." Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> he goes to get up, and he's like, "That's enough of that." Yeah, so they, and that's the, that's where I was telling you the one liner. This I yep. never noticed the one liners until then. Well, he gets up and he goes over to the fridge, and uh, he opens it up, and you can tell that he sees something. And now, to me, this he's just totally lost it. Oh, yeah. Now he sees Mr. Olin in the fridge. And he's like, I told you about 1408. I warned you not to stay in there. And this is where, again, and you're going to hear us say this through the rest of this episode, uh, this podcast episode, what are you going to call it? Uh, John Cusack's acting, man. Oh, man, this like psycho. Yeah, and he's just like, what do you want from me? And when he starts snapping... Well, it's funny because he's sitting there talking to him, and Olin, while he's talking to him in the little mini fridge, it's actually Olin in his office that mm-hmm. they were in before. So then when he starts going crazy and yelling, it pans out from behind him, and he's sitting there talking to the soda or right. the beer or whatever because it's just a normal refrigerator. Yeah. And he's sitting there talking to it, and he goes crazy and starts beating it and starts just flailing around inside the refrigerator. It's, it's, yeah. And then he, But, of course, he slams the thing. He slams the uh, fridge door, and he's like, I want my, my drink. drink. And then he elbows <laughs> it, you know. And, uh, of course, he always grabs the, uh, is it, was it whiskey? Is that what he gave him? Or was it champagne? No, it was, it was, I think it was some kind of bourbon, yeah. Okay. Well, he grabs, uh, he grabs the bottle, 
grabs the Bible, and it's just his movements in this movie. He just slides across the floor and puts his back against the bed. Well, it was funny because the the thing you get throughout the movie is that when his daughter died is when he lost his faith in God. Because mm-hmm. he had mentioned something before when he was talking to Olin about there not being a God or something like that. Yeah, he goes, there's no beasties, ghoulies, and then he goes, and there's no God. If there is, there's no God to protect us. Yeah, so it was really funny because he went and grabbed that bottle and he turned around and grabbed the Bible and as he was sitting down on the floor at the foot of the bed, he said, all right, let's do it your way. And he goes to open the Bible like he was going to go read the Bible. But then as soon as he opens it, nothing but blank pages. That And that would be trippy. Yeah, I'd freak out. And he so he just starts ripping the pages because he's just like, there ain't nothing in here. Yeah. And while he's sitting there, you hear, I thought it was the phone going off. It's a fax. Mm-hmm. So he crawls over to uh, the cabinet. He opens the cabinet doors and there's the fax machine. And it's his daughter's naughty is coming through the fax machine. And I'm guessing that's that was her naughty. Yeah, because I think it's the, the shot they had just before that where he uh, he's talking to his daughter and his wife and she's laying in the bed. I think it's that exact same nightgown that she was wearing in that shot. Oh, where she's where she's like, is there is there uh, people where I'm gonna be or where I'm where going? I'm go- He's like, you're not going nowhere, yeah. you know. Um, and then that's when we figured out that he left when she died. He's like, no, we should have done something instead of filling her head with all yeah. these fantasies. And he's like, I'm gonna go get some cigarettes, and he never come back. Never. Uh, so he goes. You can see that it, you can tell that his breath is. You know, it's it's so cold that you can see his breath. So he goes over to the air conditioning, and it's like, I think it blows. Got down. No, I think at that point it got down to like forty. It said forty at that point. Okay. Well, then when it cuts, uh, he's just standing there and he's and he's walking, and you can hear the snow. Yeah. So now is when he goes back to the thing, and it's like below. It's like five below. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's actually snowing in the room, and I think uh, yeah he's he, he's starting to burn uh, like pieces of the furniture. He's got. Uh, all the files from all the murders, he's burning those, you know, to just stay warm. He's, you can tell that he's he's just freezing is what he's doing. Oh, yeah. And all of a sudden, he hears Lily talking again. And she's like, Mike, Mike, you there? And his computer come back up. Mm-hmm. He crawls over to the, and I love, I don't know, his reaction on this too. He crawls over to the uh, computer, and he's like, you got to help me. Uh, she's like, where are you? He's like, I'm in room 1408. Uh, are the cops coming? She's like, Mike, they're already there. She's like, they're in 1408. It's empty. And it's his reaction where he wants to have a fit. But he he said something like, I don't have the, I don't have something to uh, express my emotions or something. Oh, I I can't express my emotions in this climate. Yeah. 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 Because the room was just like frosted and everything. He's like, I can't, I have, you know, all these express and I can't express them. And is is this when he's telling her not to come? Yeah. She starts to say, I can be there in 15 minutes. He looks over at the clock and um, it's counting down the time. And I don't remember exactly how much time was on the clock, but he says 15 minutes is it's going to be too late. Yeah. And then all of a sudden the static starts happening and then you hear his voice on the computer. And it's his actual face talking to her. Yeah, and, it's his, and, it, and then all of a sudden like his little square where his face would be becomes clear and it's him talking, but he's watching himself talk to her. And he's telling her, you know, I need to talk to you ever since, you know, she passed away, all this kind of stuff. He's like, I need you here, sweetie, and all this kind of stuff. And eventually she's like, all right, I'll be right there. I'll be right there. And as soon as she comes off camera, he looks at himself in the picture and he just kind of smiles. Yeah. Like the, 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 his picture on the computer smiles at him 
And then he just kind of looks freaked out. And then it winks at him. And yep. then it just goes off. So pretty much the, the bad Mike yeah. was saying everything that she wanted to hear yep. to get her to come there. To get her to come to the room. <clears throat> Excuse me. So now we're going to cut to where the, the paintings, he's, he, like, he's noticed he can hear the waves and the uh, paintings. Mm-hmm. He looks over and now the, which we didn't talk about the paintings originally, but there was a painting of like a woman reading stories to these yep. people or these kids. Well, now like the woman in the background of the painting, she's got like her breasts exposed and I don't know what they're doing. It's like a demon. Like Is she had a what? demon baby in her okay. lap or something. Yeah. And then uh, where the dogs and the people riding horses and stuff now, like they're being uh, eaten, bloodied yep. and all this. And now I thought it was cool because you see the guy that tried to kill him earlier with the hammer is on the boat of yep. the painting. And now you can see the waves moving and stuff. No, it's like the whole painting comes to life. You know, the waves yeah. are moving, the boat's rocking. And and he grabs, uh, I'm guessing it was just another piece of furniture. Yeah, one that and, he hadn't burned yet. And he runs over to hit the painting and water just comes through the uh, painting. And now it's filling up the entire room with water. Yeah, so he's just kind of like hanging on pieces of furniture, trying to stay afloat. And then he, eventually he just takes a deep breath and kind of sinks into the water. And it's just kind of him underwater. You see, like, behind him, you see the actual ship going down into the yes, water. Like being yes, sunk, which I never noticed was that. Really cool, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and so he's sinking, he's trying to swim, and all of a sudden you get a shot of above him. Mm-hmm. And sunlight. you see sunlight. And you're like, what the crap is going on, you know? And then you see a surfboard, and you see him hitting, and then you see him barefoot, and then you see his... You know, his uh, swimsuit, you know, that he was wearing. And then out of nowhere, he's back on the beach. So now this whole time, it was only a dream. I remember when we saw that in theaters, I was like, seriously? I I got pissed. Yeah, I was like, this is how you're going to end this. When I was watching it, because I didn't go watch it in the theaters, but I watched it at home. And I remember as soon as I seen him on the beach and everything was happening all over again, he seen the, the... Airplane. The airplane with the sign behind it, and then the phone number at the end of the phone number was 1408. Yeah. So it made you seem like he had seen that number in the sky, and that's where he got the 1408 from. And, yeah, I was I was pissed because I thought that's how they were going to end it. And I will say they played it perfect because, I mean, there was a good, what, five or ten minutes of the mo- the rest of it where it's like – yeah. Uh, now he's in the hospital. He, he's in the hospital. He's in the hospital. The guy, I guess, had gotten the, the – you know, uh, ambulance or whatever, take him to the hospital. His wife is there. Yeah, and he's asking her, are you really here for me? And Yeah, and he's like, am I in New York? And she was like, no, you're in California. He's, and he was like, I got out. He's like saying the whole time he's in the bed, he's like, I, I made it out. So he's like, he, I got out of the room. Right. And she and he asked her, he was like, you came all the way out here for me? And she was like, yeah. And, and they started talking. And, and then eventually it just goes to them eating and he's telling telling her about the room and what happened in the room that their daughter was there well before that there it shows them at his it shows now he's out of the hospital he's at he's on the beach yeah she goes she goes now i see why you moved out here yeah so um then they go to the the restaurant where they're eating and that's what he said he's like it was so real he's like she was there katie was Mm -hmm. there and you know of course lily's like yeah, I see her every night, every time I close my eyes. Yeah. But he's like, no, she was legit there, you know. Yeah. And how real it was to him. But he asked her, he goes, can you stay? And she says no. Yeah. So now, I mean, like, they played it so good where you're like, 
<sighs> I can't believe this is the end. Yeah, like, man, this stinks. But um, he finally starts writing. It looks like he's, I guess he's he's writing all this down. He's making a book out of it. And he goes to the post office. He's like, hey, what I can think of is he's got the book written now. Yeah, he had something that he had to get mailed off to New York. And he said it had to be there by tomorrow. Yeah. Um, the guy turns around and he tells him, sorry, we're closed. And as soon as they flash the guy's face, he has a flashback from the hotel. The guy that was actually behind the counter at the post office was the bellhop from the beginning of the movie when he right. got to the Dolphin Hotel. When he's like, can I take your bags? Yeah. And so he just kind of kind of steps back for a second, turns around, and there's three guys working. It looks like they're renovating mm -hmm. the, the post office. There's three guys working on the wall, and they both turn around to look at him. And the guy that's in the middle is the manager guy that the receptionist went and got when he first got to the hotel. The yeah. same guy. So he's kind of freaking out. And that's when all hell breaks loose. Yes, they start destroying the post office. Mm -hmm. And they're like ripping up the flooring, and you can see the carpet of the hotel. Uh, they're ripping the wall or the walls off, and you can tell that, oh, there's the bar. And there, hey, look, there's the wallpaper. There's the bricks, you know, the window with the bricks behind it. And it's even cool because on the when they tear the wall down, it shows the bricks. But then one of the, and I don't think we know uh, mentioned this in the beginning, when they showed the brick on the uh, through the window, it it had like written in it, burned me alive. Yeah. So whenever they ripped that wall out of the post office, he noticed that on that wall, that brick wall. So that was kind of him saying like, that's that's the room. What's going on? So finally, after they destroy destroy the post office, they tear down the walls. He's back in the room. Yep. Now, I've got to say, out of I, I love the movie. Yeah. But I think this was this part right here to me was a little bit too old school cheesy. Is when it's his facial expression, like as as he realizes he's back in the room, and the cameras are spinning, and it's like. In his head. Yeah. I don't know. And he I just, just kind of does that little, like, dizzy motion. Of, it's like Wizard yeah. of Oz thing. Yeah. You know, I'm yeah. like, the, the the birds and the stars around your head. Yeah. That's that's the only part of the movie that I'm like, eh, that was a little cheesy. Yeah. Just, I mean, you know. No, yeah, I'm with you on that. Because I noticed, because I never noticed before him doing that little, that, yeah. that world thing, you know. But, here's where it, it gets real. He he puts his hands in his hair, you know, and he's like, and I love it. I was out. Yeah. Like, he just starts flipping out. And he's like, I, and he says it real calm. He's like, I was out. And then all of a sudden you hear, Daddy. And he turns around, and there's his daughter. Well, the door. The door's no. there. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. He, 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 hears, he hears her voice. He turns around, and there's just a door in yes. the middle of the room. Yeah. So And, and I love this part because it's his face, he just. He's sick of it. He's sick <laughs> of it. He's tired. He's pissed off. And he just walks up to the door, and he's got that look like, I'm done. Yeah. This, I am done. He just goes up to it. He knocks on it. He's like, open it. Mm -hmm. And as soon as he says that, the, the knob kind of twists, and it kind of does that slow, creepy crack open. And then it gives you a shot of just this black this black room. Yeah. And then you, in the far distance, you see this light, and it's the door opening. And all of a sudden, it zooms in on him through that door. And then you hear Daddy, and he yeah. turns around, and he sees his daughter where the bedroom was. Yes, and this is the part that, man, it, 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 uh, it, it, it I mean, I ain't gonna lie to you, man, I'm 34 years old, and it still got me when we was watching it tonight. It's terrible. You know, and when she comes, when she's walking, she's barefooted, and you see blood on the bottom yep. of her feet and stuff, and he's like, you're not real, you're not Katie. And she's, and she's like, like, don't you love me anymore, Daddy? Yeah, and he falls to his knees. He's and, crying. Oh, yeah, I mean, 
perfect acting man he right here. John awesome. Cusack showed right here that not only could he act crazy and being a funny. Like, smart aleck, funny, but I mean, this is the part where I was like, this ain't no thriller or horror. This is drama. This is right where here. the drama came in right here. And man, they grab each other, and I mean, he is bawling, and she's like, I don't want to go, and he's like, you're never gonna go again. I, she says they're not gonna let me stay. Yeah. And I was like, what the crap do you mean? Who is they? Is it the room? Are you talking about the room? And uh. I thought they were going to use her against him. I thought they were going to be like, she was going to be like, you can stay with me. Yeah. And like, you know, something. But no, they while he's sitting there talking, she's like, uh, I want be, I want it to be me, you and mommy again. And he's like, you know, we will be, we will, and all this. And all of a sudden she just collapses in his arms. She, she dies. limp. Yes. So you, you get the shot of her back and his face and he's talking to her. And then all of a sudden her arm that's wrapped around him kind of just falls off to the side. Mm-hmm. And he just kind of stops for a second. Yeah. Because he knows exactly what just happened. He pulls her away from his body and her head falls back. Her eyes are... And he's just like, no, not again. You know, he is distraught. And then you hear, it's only just... And as soon as the music hits, ashes. She just... Her body turns into ashes. And what kills me on that part is when she falls to pieces and ashes, he starts scooping them back. Yeah, like, and you can see like like charred. It's like a piece of charcoal, but it's a leg. Yeah, and it's like her entire body, and you can see bits and pieces of her body just ash. It's, dude, I'm telling you, I've watched a lot of movies. That was probably the like the one of the scenes that I can think of. Probably top three scenes that I've seen in a movie that just ripped my heart out. Yeah, because you could feel the pain and the way he was talking because he had those. You know how you when you cry, and you know everybody cries differently. He had those silent tears. Yeah, when you're not making any sounds, any emotions, or whatever. You just have those tears, and you can tell that he was just that was just so much pain. Right. So that I'm telling you, dude, that ripped my heart out. <laughs> it did, that for the first man. Time, man. It was a trip. And like I said, even watching it now, I knew what was gonna happen. And you're still like, somebody's cutting onions. You yeah, know, you're yeah, like, yeah, mm. this is so wrong. <laughs> yeah. But that but that what brought you into it even more. You oh, know. Yeah. This late into the movie, you you just got brought right back into it. Um, but then we see the clock counting down, and it's fixing to hit. It's like you know ten, nine. It just starts counting down, and he made it an hour. Yep. And all of a sudden, boom! It just cuts. The room's clean again. He's laying on the floor. Everything's back to normal. And except for the clock. Clock starts going back again. It's it's sitting there going back. Boom! Sixty minutes starts all over again. Yep. And he gets up at the phone, and the phone starts ringing. So he picks the phone up, and it's that woman's voice again—the re- uh, receptionist or whatever you want to call her—and uh, she's like, "Or no?" He picks it up. He goes, "Why don't you just kill me?" And she's like, "Sorry, sir. This is you get you have free will, you yeah. know." And she's like, uh, "You can either choose to relive this hour over, uh, and, over and over again, again, or you can check out." Yeah. And he turns around. There's a noose hanging there. And, and he sets the phone down. There's a noose in the bedroom. Then he goes and there's a noose in the bathroom. Yep. And he comes back and he, uh, you can hear her talking on the phone. She's just Mr. Insulin? Yeah. Yes, she said Mr. Insulin. And he picks the phone up and he's like, I'm done listening. I'm done with this or whatever he says. You know, he's like, he's finally just, that was the last straw, his daughter. Yeah. And she asked, she was like, are you ready to check out Mr. Insulin? And he just kind of pauses for a second. And he's like, not your way. Yeah. And then he just. He's, he goes to talk, and then the phone starts melting. Yeah, he sets the phone down. And it's just, I don't know who even who's talking. I guess she still. It is. was her talking, and as the phone melted, the voice got distorted, and it and I couldn't make out half of what it was saying. But he sits down, and he finally uh, gets that bourbon or whatever that 
Mr. Olin gave him earlier. And he rips that bandana that he had on his hand earlier and he stuffs it down and he's like, if I'm going down, I'm taking you with me, you know, and he yep. lights it and he throws it. But I love because when he throws it, he just sits back and he's like at peace. He gets the cigarette. He finally lights the cigarette. And you can hear the dust bunny dude up there like wailing, crying, whatever. Yeah. And he's like, shut up, you <laughs> bastard. You yeah. know? But, um, but I, I love this line. I, I, he said it twice in the movie, I believe. But I love when he, he just leans back and he gets his tape recorder. And he's like, we're here to do a job. And we don't get rattled. Yeah. I love that, man. Yeah, when he said it before, when they first got in there, he was talking to the tape recorder as it was, you know, another person. He said, we've been here before, haven't we? Talking to it, we don't get rattled. Yeah. And now he's talking to it again where he's reassuring himself. And it's like almost an affirmation to himself. We don't get rattled. Oh, and we forgot to say, too, uh, the phone call. Um, she says, and your wife will be here within five minutes. And he's like, she has nothing to do with this. Yeah. So that's when he's like, okay, well, I'm going to take care of this. It's so he's nice. doing this to save her as well. Yep, yep. Um, but anyway, um, so he walks over to the window, and I don't know what he chunks out the window, but, you know. Ashtray. Oh, is that what he had? He, ashtray? He, he throws the Molotov cocktail into the bedroom. Yeah. It goes ablaze, so the fire's in the bedroom. The, both the windows are down. So he takes the glass ashtray, and he's talking. He's mouthing the room the whole time. And he takes a glass ashtray and he throws it out the window, breaks the window, it lets the oxygen in, and the room just gets engulfed. Throws him back, and he's back. He, he's on the ground, and he's just laughing hysterically. Yep. You can tell that some of them's burnt, but he's more like got the char, char on him and stuff. Yeah. And he's crawling toward the door, and she, his wife at the time, you know, she's in the taxi, and he's like, she's like, what's going on? He goes, I, I don't know the taxi driver's like, I don't know. It's going to be a little bit lady. Yeah. She just gives the money, gets out. She realizes that that hotel is on fire. Yep. Everybody's leaving. And when she gets to the hotel, she's like, no, my husband's in there. And, and then right about that point is when he throws the ashtray out the window. She the, sees the explosion. Right. And then uh, so, shows him crawling towards the door. And now all of a sudden, you know, he's ready to die. Yep. He's like accepting it. And now we see two firefighters break down the door. They get him. They pull him out, and all he can say is, don't go in the room. Yep. And with all this chaos, it cuts to Mr. Uh, Olin. And he's just sitting there, and he's got a cigar in one hand. He's got his little cognac in the other. Yeah. And he's like, well done, Mr. Insulin. Yep. Well done. You know, and he's sipping it. And then, I mean, that was pretty much. Yeah, it cuts, it cuts from there to the hospital. So he's laying in the hospital bed next to his wife. And she's talking to him, and he's like, She's like, you're in the hospital. He's like, in New York? Yeah. And reliving the whole moment of when he right. thought he was out the first time. And she was like, yeah, don't you remember the fire? And he was like, yeah, I'm just checking. <laughs> He's like, I just want to make sure. So it goes through that. Then it goes, it cuts to them in an apartment or some kind of... It looks like... Some a, kind of house. Like to me, house. it was him moving into her place. Yeah, that's what it kind of looked like. So she's going through these little boxes and... And she picks up the box and she's like, this stuff still smells like smoke. Can't we get rid of it now? So he goes over to it. He looks in it and he's, he was at the whole time he was typing, you know, writing at the computer. Yeah, because she says, I haven't seen you type like that in a yeah. long time or write like that in a long time. So he gets up, goes over to the box that she's holding and he looks in it and it's got the tape recorder in the bag that he had in there. So he pulls that out and she goes to take the box away. He sits back, sits back down and he's going over the tape recorder and he's trying to play and it's kind of distorted or whatever. Mm -hmm. And he can hear a little bit of what he had said before, so he's just listening to it. And then, out of nowhere, he hears his daughter's voice. 
It was recording the whole time. It was recording the whole time when he was holding his daughter before she died again. So and you hear him pleading with her. He's like, it's okay. I love you. I'll always love and you. And she says, I want to be with you and mommy. and Or and, all of us together. Yeah. And then you see his wife after she, as soon as she hears the voice. And he just kind of looks at her. And she drops the box. Yeah. Lily, Lily's like shocked that she's hearing her dead daughter's voice on this. Yeah. And he just kind of sits there while, you know, her da- their daughter's talking on there. And he just kind of looks at her. And he was like, I told you. It was, I told you. And he, he, he kind of smirks a little bit, but then he hides it. Yeah. And then it cuts. And it cuts off, and that is the end of 1408. Oh, I love this movie so much. I love it. So, before we do all the rating and stuff, wh- how do you feel about that ending? Do you think... I, I've heard different things. Was he really out of the apartment? Was that her... Uh, was it like, I'm trying to think how to say this, was he dreaming again to where... I don't think so. I think it was 100% genuine. Like, he was out. He had beat the room. But this was proof of what happened. Like, to him, because he had woke up once before and he thought he was out, and now he woke up again and he even had to have, you know, affirmation that he was actually out. But this is proof to him, like, I'm not crazy. I went through all of that mm-hmm. in that hour, and now I have the proof on this tape recorder. Yeah, because my daughter's voice. He even talked about, you know, somebody said, "Hey, uh, the kid in the bookstore earlier in the movie is like, where can I go to have proof one hundred percent that there's a ghost?" And he's like, "Orlando at Haunted yeah. Mansion," you know. Yeah. Being a, so now he's actually got full blown proof, and I like that. That the thing, the idea of the tape recorder was recording the whole time. Yeah. During his dramatic, most dramatic uh, experience, the of, hardest, probably the hardest part of his entire hour. Right. And he had to go through his daughter dying all over again. And it was right. recording the entire time. Yeah, that's... I, I think he was out, and I think this was just confirmation of what he went through. Right. So that's it. That is our review of 1408. A great movie. I'm going to say it. I loved it. Amazing movie. I love it. And so, now it's time for the rating. <laughs> so... How you want to do this? You want to go first on this one? I'll go first. And and this is what I'm going to say is we've been watching all these movies. And some of the movies we've seen before, some of them we haven't. Some were like, they were just terrible movies. And then some were like amazing, awesome movies. I know we've really been watching these movies to nitpick them apart. There was not a lot for me to nitpick on this movie. Not a lot. The one part that really just kind of like you were talking about, that camera shot of him just, you know, swirling around the Wizard of Oz thing is the only thing I can think of that I just didn't care for in the whole movie. And something that small, I can't really nitpick this movie apart. So do we want to, are we going to continue doing the five star rating or do you want to switch it to ten? Me and Randy's been talking about this because... I think we should go ahead and switch to a ten star rating because, I mean, you can give it a... It, it kind of gives you more play. You know, okay. you, if you think it's, you know, a good movie but not great, go with the five, you know. You, you know, then you have a whole lot more play on in there. Okay, because the reason I was saying that is because The Shining, we mean you both give it a 4.5. Yeah. So if we was going to give it a 10, and I know we're going back to last week's episode, if we were going to do The Shining, we're doing a 10 rating, then I feel like I would give the, I'd give The Shining an 8.5. I probably would. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably give The Shining an 8.5. Okay. So, if we're going off a 10-star a, a rating from now on... I just feel like you said 5 is just... Because, okay, Killer Clowns. 
I gave it what? Two. No, two I, I gave it two and a half. But if I movie. but if I had to give it a, like a, between a ten st- uh, you know ten stars, I'd give it three and a half, four maybe. You bumping up one point for jumping five stars. But I'm just saying, get you out see, of my face. Don't you see what I'm saying though? That it sounds so bad, you know? Because yeah. so anyway, so we're gonna switch to a ten star rating. Yeah, to give us give us some more play, you know, so we can you know nitpick a whole lot more. So if we're gonna go off a ten star rating from this, I think we both gave The Shining eight point five. So that was last uh, last week or the last episode. So yeah, like I said, there's not a whole lot in this movie that I can nitpick with because the acting was amazing, the graphics were amazing, like everything that happened in this movie was awesome. I'm gonna get it. I I I can't give it a ten just because of that one scene. I'm gonna get it nine. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it a nine. You're, you're rating I'm, I'm this higher than the Shining. It, I'm gonna rate it higher than the Shining, for I mean for a couple of different reasons. One, right. Shelley Duvall's acting. I'm sorry. Until she went crazy in the Shining, her acting was terrible. I for me, when she now when she started going crazy is when it was amazing. You know mm-hmm. she did an amazing job. The graphics in this one were better. It's a newer movie, so I mean you, I mean if you're going off of that for me. Uh, John Cusack's acting in the entire movie was amazing. You know, I think everybody that that had their part in it was awesome. And I'm only knocking off that one star just because that one camera shot and there were like there was a couple of different spots that were kind of weird and cheesy. But not enough for me to just nitpick this apart and give it less than 9 stars. So I'm I'm going to give 1408 9 stars. Okay. I'm going to give 1408 Come on now. I'm going to give 1408 8.5. Eight and a half stars. The same as Shining. The same as The Shining. Because I enjoy both films so much. And the reason we're bringing up The Shining is because this month is dedicated to haunted films. Yes. Or haunted um, Hotels. hotels. I'm telling you, The Shining, Jack Nicholson's acting... Is just as good as Q Sax. Q Sax is just, I mean, to me. But now, I will say, I can watch 1408 a lot quicker than I can The Shining because it is go, 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 go through the yeah. whole thing. And it's a, and it's about an hour shorter. Right. You know, 14, or 1408 was about an hour 45, and I think The Shining was about 2.45. And I love The Shining, but like I said, you know, I gave that, I, I'm going to go ahead and give that one an 8.5, like I said, but I'm going to match 1408 because, like I said, there is, I don't know, there was a few things, um, okay, just like the backstory on who sent the postcard. Yep. I'd like to hear, I'm all about, I like the backstory. I can't help the it. The room sent the postcard. Okay. Well, it wasn't confirmed confir- confir- that. <laughs> uh, and see, another thing was maybe was it, uh, it almost makes you want to believe that like Samuel Jackson's character did it too, you know. But backstory on that, I wanted to see more of that. Uh, like I said, in the cheesy little part with the spinning, that that yeah. really didn't knock a whole lot off for me. Yeah. But I just know there's more films out there that I enjoy more that I'm going to have to give like a nine, so I'm going to give this one eight point five, eight eight and a half stars. There we go. I'll put it that way. But I but I love this yeah, film. You can't yeah. take nothing away from it. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's so, awesome. So anyway, like I said, I know that kind of sucks. Everyone who's listening that we're changing it to 10 stars, I just feel like that gives us more leeway. Yeah. 
And me and Randy's been thinking about it, discussing it, and seeing what it would do. So, and just for the record, Black Christmas and Jack Frost still probably get about half a star. Yeah, I don't even know what we scored on those. About half a star. I think. Wait, I think Jack Frost got one for me, and then Black Christmas got half a star, and it was for the eye. I think I gave the same thing, didn't I? Yeah, I think so. So yeah, yeah those don't change. Those yeah. still so then, suck. I'm just saying, Halloween, John Carpenter, we're going back all the way to the original <laughs> our original podcast, Halloween. That one's getting uh, nine stars, I'm sorry. <laughs> Even though it didn't have a lot of backstory to little Mikey. I, uh, that one, that, you know what I'm saying? But uh, anyway, we're just having fun doing this. And like I said, uh, so now, for now, we're going to start doing a 10-star rating. I just, you know. Anyway, so next month is February and we got Valentine's Day coming up. So, Valentine's. So, what we're going to do is the original, our next episode is going to be the original. Uh, what My is Bloody Valentine. My Bloody Valentine. And then I believe the one after that one will be the remake. Remake of My Bloody Valentine. Okay. Unless I can talk them into doing Cupid, but we'll see. I'm good with Cupid. I've never seen it. But it. the next one is going to be the original My Bloody Valentine. Yeah. So just uh, be sure, like I said, uh, to begin another podcast, tell your friends and family, uh, anybody who loves to hear about horror movies or loves the horror film genre, uh, I think would dig this podcast. I mean, oh, we, we really do try to do our research and stuff. And like I said, we're having a blast and enjoying it. And we... we, we we really, really enjoy getting together and doing these. And like like we've said before, we really want to get it to where it's some interaction. So you guys get on the Facebook page, Small Town Horror Podcast. Check us out. Give us a like, a follow. Throw us a review down. Let us know what you thought. Yes. Uh, eventually, we're really hoping, we've been talking about this a whole lot, about possibly getting a YouTube channel going. Yes. So it might be something that we look at to give you guys a little bit more chance and, and a little bit easier access to interact with us. Let us know what you think. Give us some reviews on, on how we did. Give us some ideas on a movie that we should do. Maybe, you know, something you know that we don't. Mm -hmm. uh, like I said, indie movies, up-to-date movies that we might not know. Old movies. We, I, we've we already talked about wanting to do some Hitchcock um, and doing some you know, Boris Karloff Yes, Bella Lugosi, yes. Lon Chaney Jr. Yeah. So uh, we definitely got those in mind. But anything, you know, you guys get on the Facebook page. Let us know what you think. Right. I mean, we're always looking for for different things to see because you guys will open our eyes to some films that we never even thought of. Right. Um, but with that being said, I just want to say, like, uh, whoever, whatever ep uh, podcast y'all listen to, as far as if you're listening to Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, whatever, Man, leave us a review, even if you don't like the podcast. Tell us. Tell us what we Yeah, do. tell us what you don't like about it. Tell us what you do like about it. Give us a star rating or whatever. Uh, I do know on Apple Podcasts, you can do like five star ratings. Yep. And, I mean, you ain't going to hurt our feelings. It, it actually would help us out to know where we stand with some people and what you guys would like to hear more of. For sure. You know, if if you want to hear more of like gore movies, like Saw movies, let us know. You know, yeah, anything you guys got. Yeah, there's so many different genres. Like, you think of genres, you think of comedy, you think of drama, horror, thriller, and stuff like that. But inside of horror, there are so many different genres that you can get. You can get your horror comedies, you can get your thrillers. There's like, one of the movies that I want to do that Johnny hasn't seen is Idle Hands, and that's a horror thriller or a horror comedy. 
So there's a whole lot you, you can do inside of horror, but we'd love to find out what you guys think we should be doing. Would Ernest Scares Stupid be considered horror comedy? No, it's absolutely not a horror, unless you let me do Ernest Goes to Africa. If you guys want to hear Ernest Scares Stupid, let us know. <laughs> hey, I love the movie. Yeah. But, you know. Well, anyway, I hope y'all enjoyed the ep- this week's episode of 1408. And as always, stay scared. Uh, stay spooky.